Hiya, Georgie. Welcome to my world. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, one and all, to the first ever Road to Nowhere podcast. I'm your host, Andy Connor, and tonight I'm joined by Larry Reid. Hello. Paul McKenzie. Hi. And all the way from the other side of the pond in St. Louis, Mike Chapman. Hello. Evening, guys. How are we all? Great. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> So, as this is kind of a, a first episode, what we'll do is I'll just go around you all. If you let us know just your kind of what you, your kind of movie preferences are, and or what you hate, if you want to talk about that, if that gets your go, if that's something you prefer. Um, Larry, what about yourself? What do you kind of zone towards? Um, generally, I like horror movies, mostly sort of like seventies. Giallo, Giallo movies, like Argento, Lucio Fulci, uh, Mario Bava kind of movies. Um, of your, your sort of 80s slashers, 90s sort of horror movies, mostly just horror movies in general. Um, that's mostly the, that's the biggest thing I'm into. And obviously, like, I, do, I do have a very, very big affinity for very straight-to-DVD, straight-to-VHS action movies. Um, so, like, and obviously your, your normal East Cheddar and Arnie Stallone. Seagal's my big my mean man. Um as right. well as Arnie of course, but uh, those kind of cheesy straight to video um action movies is what I, I love the most, as well as horror of course. But um those are my kind of preferences. Um I'm not one for the the art house movies myself. I'm more um in the land of Cheesy, bad acting. Mate, what about yourself? What do you kind of lean towards? I have a, like a, a, it's a weird swing. So I really like, like, late 30s, early 40s, like, gangster or noirish type films. Um, and then I really like franchise action films, and especially like, comic book stuff and all that because i like the universe that they build and the possibility that like the way you would read a series of books where there's callbacks and things come together and you're like oh yeah and that kind of stuff but then like i said i, I really like the black and white films of of the 40s and stuff because there's something about the way they talk the rhythm that they talk, you know, the there's something about that that I find really comfortable. The same way that you are comfortable with like your your mom's home cooking on a Sunday, and I don't know why. It's just it's something yeah. I've always felt watching those old movies. Right. Yeah, uh, the the franchise stuff for me, as you said, yeah, Marvel, even DC to the lesser extent of it being as um, well yeah. integrated massive fans of that um it's i think 
especially coming from the point when the first Iron Man came out, I'd have been 20, 21, and it was never seen that type of world building before. You had certain elements and kind of the, the, I mean, Kevin Smith now says he's the first one to do a kind of shared universe type of thing. You had those integrated characters, but the, the scope and everything that the MCU's managed to do, we'd never seen anything like that before, and it was spectacular. Yeah. remember going to see the first um, first Avengers in the cinema and saying, there's no way this will work. It's mad. Aye, it, there's absolutely no chance they can get these four main heroes. Obviously, you had your Black Widow and your Hawkeye as well, but the four kind of leads getting enough screen time without it being a complete clusterfuck. Paul, what about yourself? Anything particular that tickles your fancy? In general, to be honest, uh, easily pleased, but then easily pleased at the same time. Um, sort of the big action stuff I have a lot of time for, but at the same time when you start pushing towards like heavy, fast and furious, then <laughs> losing a bit of interest on that. Uh, 80s films, just probably just before my time, if I'm being honest, like it was born the tail end of the 80s, so, mm. but Things like John Hughes and stuff, well, yeah, I think this is a soft spot for everybody, you know, it's easy watching. Yeah, absolutely. So, what we're doing tonight for, as I said, it's the, the kind of first, first podcast. We're going to go through our top five sci-fi movies. It gives a general kind of, th- a decent kind of general chat that we can have together. What our tastes are and what we can kind of focus on moving forward. Um, we're going to go down five to one going round everybody and just have a week in a blurb about why you love that movie why it's in your top five because obviously with sci-fi there's so it's kind of it's quite a broad um broad genre that kind of transcends action horror even comedy at times with things like galaxy quest um and yeah just a a wee discussion round about that um Wally. Cool. Ooh. Excellent. Right, good choice. Oh, nice. Uh, I done uh, a computer animation course at uni. I was a fair bit younger. Uh, I was a, a big interest in animation, and like if you've seen it, you'll know like how they managed to build that film up with pretty much zero dialogue. I know there's a couple of beeps yeah. and things that just it's amazing. I, I would maybe even argue it's arguably the best thing that Pixar have actually done. But I'm a I'm a big fanboy for Toy Story as well, but I think that's more nostalgia thing to be that be Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the way they managed to put all you together. Initially I remember thinking, oh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes, thinking, ah, it's probably gonna bomb. Just turned out to make it work. Best one ever you can the empathy and sympathy you can have for like a character that has uh, no face and doesn't speak. It's just incredible for the storytelling point of view. Yeah, I think there's big elements of that that potentially even throw back to like films of the 30s and 40s as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I think they've drawn in a lot of different storytelling techniques to just get that across. To and rightly so, because they'd really have to sort of look through the full book to, to put that out there without having them actually communicate properly. But it's, mm. yeah, it's really great. That's a, that's a cracking first choice, a bit left field as well. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. To be honest, the five I've picked, maybe I'm. You would maybe not say oh, definitely sci fi, but mm-hmm. or the best of the best, but these are the ones I tend to enjoy more. So, yeah, exactly. I'm actually going to go for another kids' movie. It's a kids' movie from, from the 80s. It's a film called The Last Starfighter. Okay. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It's a sort of, um, it came out sort of the wave of sort of like post-Star Wars kind of flood of movies or science fiction movies. Obviously, you've got your kind of young young guy gets employed into sort of a, or recruited into saving the, saving the universe against this kind of um, race of, you know, empirical, empire, empirical? <laughs> Tyrannical sort of uh, race of race of kind of like bad guys. Um, obviously, the twist obviously is that he just he lives in a trailer park and on Earth, and he's all the way he's recruited, way he's recruited is through excuse me, <coughs> through a, a video game. It becomes the best yeah. as video game. So the guy thinks all the well they come down and go. This guy's the best. He's playing this video games. So we're going to recruit this guy, and he ends up. It's like a, it's very, very, very interesting. I think it's probably one of the first moves to use kind of 3D modeling for the, the ships and stuff like that. So it was kind of ahead of its time in that in that, that way, I guess. Um, but it's just a, a, a one kind of like that maybe off the beaten path, and it's not mm-hmm. what people could have put in their their list of the top hundred movies of, of sci-fi movies and. and but and it's one of these films that I, I've always watched when I was a, a child. It's like something I've grown up with. So it's it's a kind of a comfort movie. Mike was talking earlier about something about kind of certain movies that you you can sit down and watch, and they just they just make you feel your nostalgia, or you make you feel just nice and cozy and warm, and you can just sit and enjoy them. And you know every you can see every word, you know every bit of beat. You know, but it's it's still an enjoyable watch every time you watch it. So, Last Starfighter is probably one for one for me completely. Um, I just think it's just a really really fun movie. Basically, the premise of the film is that um, there's only one more sh- one ship left, and this whole kind of squadron of ships, the place gets destroyed and decimated. So it's only like him and this other kind of like kind of lizard guy called Griggs. Um, who ends up just like we'll get one ship left, we'll get one ship to take on this whole armada of like of bad guys, um, the Kodan armada, I think they're called Kodans, mm. um, and they go that basically they, they take them on, and obviously, spoiler alert, they destroy <laughs> destroy them. Um, so no, it's not a, it's not a, a sad story, but it's all but it's it's, it's of of the time and the, the effects it had at the time, it was really really cool. So the thing about the last starfighter is he gets recruited. The the human gets recruited because he's very good at a video game that is placed outside like the gas station convenience store in his trailer park. park. And that's yeah. Now that movie came out like a year or two after Tron, but it's very different from Tron in that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to a computer world. He goes yeah. into outer space and all yes. that. But I, I, I remember that movie really strongly. And yeah, yeah. He, so the video game aspect of it was a big thing yeah. as a kid for me. So, yeah. 
just the reason I was asking about the whole thing with them being aware of the intergalactic fight, it sounds kind of the second time I mention it in this podcast for some reason. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's like Galaxy Quest. Yes, yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. It's kind of got yeah, that kind of parallel. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of seen as this kind of ultimate in fighting space monsters. And yes. Dragged into a war that they weren't sure they were part of. But yeah, I mean, again... That's it. It's not one I've heard of, but it sounds. It's just, it's, it's, it does kind of what happened that sort of way as well, because they just they kind of come and get him, and kind of, they send this guy down to go and like to recruit him. They take him out. He goes, "What? Why would? You, why do you want me here? I'm, I'm just a guy who plays video games. Like, no, but you you do really well. He's like, but I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not in any way, any way, shape, or form going to be able to do this for you. I'm like, I just I, I don't know how fire ship. I, I'm just I just know how to work on a joystick thing. <laughs> Um, my number five is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Cool. Um, yes, classic. I one the thing I liked about it was the reveal at the end. It was the, it was the first time I remember as a kid that an alien the alien wasn't the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um. I also felt that you could relate more to the to Richard Dreyfuss's character because it wasn't wasn't he was a superhero. It wasn't uh, an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. He was just driven by these feelings that he knew, quote unquote, were real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and it was one of the first movies that I remember being able to watch with my family and kind of grasping what they grasped from it, I guess. Cause I mean, it came out in 77 when it came out, I was only three years old, but then dating myself there. But when we would watch it, like in the, in the eighties, you know, cause that by that point, VHS tapes and all that type of stuff, I really, I really kind of grasp. I kind of understood it, you know. But maybe, maybe the re- the the grounding of the character, making it feel like more relatable, and then also the reveal of the aliens and not feeling like it's a bad guy. I, for me, that that was relatable to me. I really enjoyed it. Um, my number five is. A bit more kind of current uh, source code from Duncan Jones. I've got a lot of time for source code. It's a movie I always go back to. It's a kind of short, sharp, 85, 90-minute sci-fi actioner. Um, you get a great performance for Jake Gyllenhaal. You've also got a support in uh, Jeffrey Wright and Vera Farmiga, um, Michelle Monaghan. Um, uh, On the train! Uh, yeah. So he basically plays a a army, what's the word? He's a soldier that wakes up in someone else's body. Um, He's part of a government programme and he's got eight minutes to stop a bomb from going off. Or to find, not to stop the bomb, sorry, to find out who planted the bomb. Um, And then the eight minute resets. And that's basically the whole premise of the movie, going through that same phase. But he starts gets it in his head that he's able to stop the bomb going off. So it's looking in the past, it's something that's already happened, but in his head he feels that he can uh, affect it 
and actually maybe prevent the kind of tragedy from happening. <laughs> might be on the sort of level of sci-fi, but her. Would you say yeah, that? oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, is that um, um who's the director? Uh, and yeah, uh, Phoenix is in it, and obviously Scarlett Hansen is the voice. Um, I'll be honest, I don't actually, I, I couldn't pinpoint the exact reason why I like it so much. I really, really like Joaquin Phoenix. I would watch him in pretty much anything. Yeah. I think the film just looks amazing. Um, it's meant to be future LA, I think, but it's actually filmed in Hong Kong. And it just looked, it's one, of the, it's one of the films I've seen, I'm going, I might go to Hong Kong, just because it looks amazing. Um, and there's not a great deal of films that I've watched before. I like to go to that city. Like other films, I go. I like to go there in the film. That's what I suppose. Maybe, but um, it just looked incredible. The story, I think, considering it's just him, it's on screen for the majority of time whenever he's interacting. Um, uh, Scarlett Hansen, sorry, is it just it just shows you how great he actually is as an actor. He's probably my favourite actor working at the minute, to be honest. Um, Story's really good. I know that it, he was, Spike um, Jones was in a relationship with Sofia Coppola, and I think it's supposed to be like a retort to Lost in Translation. I think they had a bit of a sort of relationship with that there. Um, but I just think it's really, really well made. It's maybe more romantic than a lot of people would be interested in watching for a film, but I think it works really, really well. Um, Absolutely brilliant. It's about half the end as well. Whenever um, she's developed as far as she can, and then she's basically um, she needs to go uh, with the rest of the AIs. Um, just amazing. And she wasn't actually the original voice um, for Samantha. She was, I can't remember the girl's name. There was another actress that done the voice work on set, and then Scarlett Johansson cut her voice afterwards. But the other voices in the world pick <laughs> the good one. My number four is another kind of one that doesn't really get talked about a lot is Outland with Sean Connery. Right. Um it's kind of like a sort of space western. Um Sean Connery's like is being employed on this sort of um this kind of vessel up in the space or sort a of space station. And you sort of become like sort of the new sort of sheriff, and he finds out that these a lot of people, are, like a lot of um, residents, are kind of dying of, kind of, of drug overdoses. And he finds out that there's been drugs being brought in on these kind of cargo ships, and um, he sort of he sort of spoils their plan essentially and finds their kind of stash. And the, the kind of sort of last half of the movie is a sort of high noon sort of thing where he's just kind of waiting for them to come. <clears throat> You kill him basically. They they said they send like sort of like a kind of a gang to kind of run him out of town essentially, um, and it's all kind of like him to like protect himself and sort of like fighting them at the end. It feels very much in tone with Alien. Um, it's a very kind of really Scott kind of vibe to it. Um, it's very atmospheric. It's very like. Um, again, it's like off. So it came out a little bit later after. 
um, alien, but it's, it's definitely got that kind of vibe, that sort of like claustrophobia of it, because you know, there's even though it's this big space station, you you do kind of like a lot of kind of like you're in, in people's kind of quarters and stuff. You're in the kind of doctors' offices and stuff like that, because that's our main character, secondary character, in it is like a doctor who finds a sort of like the people have been poisoned by these kind of drugs. Um, it's very sort of compact. A very kind of like um, I say, just a very kind of shrunken movie essentially when it comes to the kind of the, he's obviously got to fight these guys, you know, you know, and and sort of like these sort of small tunnels and like outside and we spacesuit and stuff like that. But is this very kind of like like if if you said to me if you showed me that movie and I'd never seen it before and said, oh this this really Scott made this or um. John Carpenter made this. I would, I would think, I would go, yeah, definitely, because it's got that sort of like assault precinct thirteen sort of way and Escape from New York, sort of like that kind of like synthy score and yeah. sort of like it's just a kind of really excellent movie. I'd really like it's one of these movies that again. I think, I think my dad had like this tape. He said you should watch this. My dad had kind of gone through was that really into those kind of like movies where like like Mad Max and stuff like that. So. He's like, you should watch this movie. I think it's really, I think you'd really enjoy it, um, because you like this kind of space stuff. Nice. Obviously, off the back of watching Alien when I was younger as well. Um, I just thought, I just think it's a really, really, really cool movie. It's again one of these movies I kind of watch and can be comforted by because it's just like this. It's kind of really kind of tight and very kind of taut kind of atmosphere to it. And if you kind of like that kind of that kind of stuff, I would recommend it. If you like stuff like Blade Runner and that sort of noirish kind of like eighties sci-fi stuff, I would really say it's one of the films you definitely check out. Uh, number four is Signs, Ooh, the okay. M Night Shyamalan film. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it comes back to the reveal of the alien in the kind of alleyway or throughway when they sh- yeah. when they show it on tv with the at the kids party um he had the balls to do that to show the alien like that and there were a lot of movies back then at least in the mainstream uh hollywood shirts or stuff like that and for him to show that and for it to not be anything that I at least remembered looking like an alien in other movies that it was humanoid. And I really was blown away by that. Um, I think also at that point, like I was listening to like, it was 2000 ish. And I was listening to a lot of art bell, which if the folks aren't familiar, art bell was a syndicated radio program in uh, the United States that, focused a lot on aliens and conspiracies and stuff like that. And for me, it was just cool that way. And then again, I think with the the human element of of grounding it in this idea of this, this priest who who, uh, doubts his faith at that point, I thought was fascinating. And then um, all the little things that point to, trying to make him think about whether he has made a mistake in doubting his faith. Like one of, if not the best M night Shyamalan film for me anyway. Mm. 
my number four, I'm not going to need to talk about. <laughs> don't need to talk about a huge amount. It's the Matrix. Yeah, they go. Oh, yeah, um, of course. At the time, I mean, it's just what the Wachowskis, Wachowski sisters, done with that is. Um, it was just spectacular. Um, yeah. No matter what you think of the sequels, and obviously we're getting a new one this year, which looks quite interesting and kind of meta take mm. on the Matrix. Mm. Um, it was above its time, I think. Um, you have such great kind of melding of Hollywood plus uh, the Eastern Kung Fu styles yeah. of it, which again wasn't something you see in a huge amount of. It's the role that Keanu Reeves was born to play unless he played a robot or um, <laughs> the alien from the day there stood still. Um, yep. Just, it still holds up. In fact, the CGI in it, I think, is actually better than what is in the sequels. Um, yeah, I, I, actually, I, would, I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I think the sequels, they actually kind of overstretched themselves for what was available at the time, and it made it look quite bad. I've got a lot of the time for the sequels myself. I actually had a rewatch, maybe just after I seen the trailer for uh, Resurrection. And, I, I mean, some of it looks terrible, like the fight in the park and reloading yeah. looks awful. Anytime Neil flies, looks really terrible. Um, mm. But just the... The kind of scope and the vision that they had for this, those fight scenes, the bullet time, which is now done to death and has been done to death for the past yeah. 20 odd years. Um, we'd never seen anything like that. We get the just the, the whole concept of it is just kind of mind melting that someone had that thought when computers had been around for a while and obviously we'd had Tron, so that kind of um, immersive AI sort of yeah. thing was always was still a thing, but just their their detail and building that world in a single movie, I think, was great. Uh, talking about Scarlett Johansson. Uh, cool. No, uh, it's Ghost in the Shell, but it's the anime version of Ghost in the Shell. Cool. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna do anybody dirty like that. Uh, again, just a, just. It was going to be Akira. I had to kind of fight a little bit about this, but I think Ghost of Shell kind of just kind of... I like it still a bit more than Akira. Akira's probably an honourable mention. Maybe we'll talk about it later, but yeah. Ghost of Shell is definitely in a, such an, a gorgeous, beautiful movie. It's a really good script, a really good kind of pace to it. Um, I've not I've not seen the Scarlett Johansson one, um, although I've been tempted. Um Forgive me, um, Father, for I have been tempted. Um, <laughs> but no, I've never, I never, I don't think I could, I could, I could do that. I remember the days when it, it was talked about it was going to be Bruce Willis was going to be the one of the main guys in it. I was like, really? But um, thank fuck. He was going to play Bato. He's going to play Bato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that that the, the first one and the second one, Innocence as well, are, are really good movies. Like um. In terms of series, series is, is pretty good, but it's the, those the first and the second movies are really, really good kind of moves to kind of check out. Um, but the first one is just it just it's just a really gorgeous looking movie, much like Akira. Like I really hope they can try and release Ghost in the Shell in the cinemas like they did with Akira recently, because it it really does need to be seen in the big screen because it's such a, a really look, look good look good looking movie with a good script. It just isn't obviously just being completely. 
um, boil washed when it comes to that that when it was recent, recently out. But um, I just think I think it's worth I think it's worth watching, and I think it again it still stands if you watch it now that it's still got that kind of it's got enough in it, it's got enough good content to kind of be enjoyable for now instead of just you know back in the nineties when it first came out. So, as we're not talking about Batman, um, on the apes. Ooh. Obviously, with the connection there is, uh, it's the new, uh, the new Planet of the Apes. Um, I think they're calling them reboots. I don't yeah. know uh, enough of the old ones to tell you whether or not. I think they're, they're fairly different because from what I've seen, which isn't all of the original ones there's more like an origin story in the three that have just been yeah. in the last years-ish um, I would say so yeah I, I just think they're all solid I know they went all Matt Reeves I think the first one was Rupert Wyatt for what I'm reading here um, that, that tends to be the first one was a wee bit slower and a little bit less actually um, and the, the second two were just just brilliant, just like really class action films. Like uh, Dawn and World of the Planet of the Apes were just for me excellent. They were just. Yeah. I'm not the not a massive action movie fan, but I just yeah. think it's like it's, sometimes it's, it's it's like style over substance. But this was like a really great mix of. Well, they didn't over egg either part of that, and they they they'd really done it really finely, and that's for me. I'm I'm gonna I'm looking forward to the new Batman because I think. Well, Matt Reeves is just gonna, if he does anything similar to that with Batman, he's winning already. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I hate sequels for the point of sequels, but I enjoyed them that much. I was just sort of hoping for another and another, but that's for a selfish standpoint. But I think even the CGI and stuff, whenever you consider the amount of money that's getting spent on like Game of Thrones and the CGI, that looked absolutely horrid. It yeah. just looked incredible. And uh, the Planet of the Apes, the remakes, they just. I don't think there was a point where you go, that's a bit grim. It just all looked really smooth, really uh, brilliant. Yeah, see if you see, you haven't watched them, just get it watched. Um, number three is the live action version of Ghost in the Shell. I'm just kidding. Fucking I'm just hell. kidding. <laughs> I've left. I give up. I was waiting for I was waiting for Larry to freak out. Um, no, it's I've been Andy Connor. Thanks for time. Yeah, yeah. But Mike's been cancelled. There'll be no more episodes of this after this. It's a pilot and the last episode. No, it's it's the anime. <laughs> it's obviously the anime. It's Ghost in the Shell. I I I would echo what what Larry has said about it. it, it for me, it's um, I don't know. I mean, dude. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's fucking amazing. Oh, it's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. I, I I don't need to say much more than what Larry already said about it. It's fantastic. My number three is, and I'm going to show you this, which won't translate well on audio, but I don't know. No, you can. Can you see that? Is that Akira? Is that the uh, one of the bikes? It's, it's Donnie Darko. 
Frank. Oh, oh, it's the bunny. <clears throat> it's Frank the bunny with also twenty-eight days, six hours, forty-two that he wrote on his arm. Um, Donnie Darko is. It was hard putting it at number three, but the reason I have is from my top two. I just think are superb. It's one of my the most important films of my life. Donnie Darko was out two thousand and one. It was. Uh, I can't even remember how I heard about it. It came out the same kind of period as it was Halloween time. It came out. It came out the same period as a, a big release, big horror release. It got absolutely slated. But then everyone was saying, what you should do is you can go and see this. You should see Donnie Darko. This is just one of the most original movies you'll get to see, and it's just superb. I've seen it three times in the cinema. Um, being, I mean, I was, I said, 2001, I was 14. The kind of, the story of Donnie and his mannerism, his character, just kind of spoke to me a wee bit as kind of a, a nervous high school teenager. You get great central performances for Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal and a cameo slash supporting role for Patrick Swayze, who's just such an arsehole in it, but he's great. Yeah, Drew Barrymore as well. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, who, if it wasn't for her, it would have been straight to video and she wouldn't even have been in it. She funded it and produced it at a production company. You have um, the character of Gretchen played by... Oh, what's her name? She's Jenna a... Malone. Jenna Malone. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was actually, I, I spoke to a mate of mine asking about this, if they would class it as sci-fi or more fantasy or kind of this is, it's on the edge type of thing, but it's all about time travel. You have a Grandma Death's book, which is all based kind of around science. Noah Wiley's character is a science teacher who also has an interest in the weird kind of supernatural things and uh, like almost like a predestination aspect of it. It was just I absolutely love it. I've got I just recently got the Arrow video 4K of it as well. Um, the soundtrack to it, the way it managed to capture that feel of the eighties that you used to get in in the older movies, and echoing the Bunny Man on it. You've got um, definitely that cover of Mad World at the end. Once you know after everything's happened, it's beautiful. I genuinely don't think there's a piece of music in a movie that hits the way that does for me. Um, I remember being, even at that age, I'm not a massive, like, I'm not the type to tear up at movies, but that got me at that time, even at that young age. It's just an absolutely beautiful piece of cinema, and I don't, I mean, obviously, Richard Kelly's had issues with movies since then, and I know he's trying to make a sequel an official sequel, but I really hope he doesn't. Um, it was just a, a perfect, perfect one-shot movie that yeah. began and end. Absolutely, a masterpiece, to be honest. Now, my last two are interesting ones because they are two worrying franchises, two of the biggest worrying franchises in science fiction history. My second, number two, is Star Trek to the Raffle Can. Nice. One of the ones I've actually seen. It's, it's a, came, out in, came out the year I was born, 1982. Um, it follows a pattern of the odd, or is it even? Is it odd or even? I'm talking shit. Um, the odd numbered 
Star Trek movies being good. So two, four, six, etc. Even. Or, I don't know an even. <laughs> apparently, like... Uh, so even numbered ones. Cut that out. All the even number ones are good. That again, so, if you want to and actually just edit it. Yeah, so like, so all the, all the even numbered Star Trek movies are good. So Rafa Khan, Voyage Home, Undiscovered Country, First Contact. Yes. First Contact. And then... Not First Contact, then it would be Nemesis, but that I think that sort of peters off in the end because Nemesis isn't really that great. But um, Ravikant is again an eighties science fiction movie which I really loved. I wasn't I wasn't a big Star Trek original series fan when I was younger. I, I maybe was on every so often, but for some reason I just really liked the movies. I just thought the movies were really good. There was just something that was always on like during kind of Christmas time and. On BBC One, like in the summer and stuff like that, so you always always end up watching them, always beyond, so they're always like something I knew. So, but I just think they get really good acting in them. Mm-hmm. This one is obviously like, I mean, as much as great acting as, as William Shatner can do in a wig, um, but it's got that just, it just as it's sad at the end when obviously spoiler Spock dies, um, it's got a good message at the end. These are, these are the few away these are the many, which is something I think is quite an interesting mm-hmm. concept and a quite interesting ethos to have. Mm-hmm. Um but I just think it's a, it's just a really fun sort of science science fiction movie. It's just it's daft, it's it's got sort of kind of like the kind of like big sort of bat, big battle scenes as well as the kind of like an interesting character like Ricardo Maltaban. I think he's a, a kind of a really good bad guy in it. Um I just think it's just, think it's just a fun movie. Just like, just yeah. like it's just one of the the fun movies. And obviously, people hate on. I was obviously talking about the even numbered ones, but I, I like Search for Spock. I like number three, I like five. Isn't great, but it's it's daft and has. But you don't shake your head, Mike. It's daft and Generations again. It's it's not bad, and I like Nemesis. Can't stand Insurrection, but yeah, Ravikant's an awesome movie. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I sort of have a rough idea where Larry's going with his number one, um, and that's fine because that's it's not where mines are going. Uh, Arrival. Mm. And now, firstly, before I found out anything about it, I will watch Amy Adams and anything mm. because she's Listen. just you know uh, that goes back to her because she was in her as well. Um, okay. um, Arrival, if you've seen it, you'll know it's just an absolute smasher of a film. It looks great. The story is brilliant. It's based on a short story. I've got it here. Sorry, give me a second. It is mm-hmm. Story of Your Life by Ted. Is it Chang? Chang? Sorry if that's not right. Um, I know it's a short story. I've not read it. But if I had the opportunity or had the, the text, I probably would give it a go. Um I think the way it's, I don't know if the story's written the same way as the film is structured, obviously, it's sort of part flashback or forward, and I just yeah. thought it, it comes together really, really, really amazingly well at the end, and after after having left the cinema, it was one of the films where you're just going, 
I right. just oh. yeah, I need to think ahead and things. It's just I uh, thought it was brilliant. I mean, I'm not the biggest Jeremy Renner fan, but he was really good in it. Yes, yes, and it's Michael uh, Stolberg. I just think that guy's incredible. Uh, he was in Boardwalk Empire. Um, he was in Call Me By Your Name, and I think is a serious man. As well, yeah, just the guy. He's another guy that I could watch in, in almost anything as well. I think he was in Your Honor. It was it last year. Uh, that, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad But no, I was absolutely brilliant. The performances are great. The direction is great. Stories brilliant. It looks phenomenal. Everything about it is just mm-hmm. up notch. Um, I, I don't think I could try and sell any harder than that. If you've not seen it, you yeah. should watch. It's just. Mm-hmm. And Amy Adam is just as solid as she is and everything else, pretty much. Uh, number two is The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so The Empire Strikes Back, for me, expands on the Star Wars universe. It makes it... It made me understand that it was more than just about this one kid living on a rural planet. It expanded the universe for me of what Lucas had in mind. Um, Also, it was the first time that I thought of, this is a weird thing to say, but it's the first time I thought of space war type stuff as militaristic in the way they, you know, designed the hierarchy of military and the soldiers, and it it put space war type stuff in a new uh, frame of mind for me. Um, and also the fact that it ends with the bad guys kind of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, as we go on and record more episodes, I think something that uh, Larry may know, other folks you guys don't necessarily know about me is that I kind of like dark dystopian Mm -hmm. sad somber whatever types of themes and I like that I like that it kind of ends with the bad guys winning in this particular chapter okay excellent um my number two, and as I've just mentioned, the director, um, is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep, now, yep. I love the first Terminator. Um, I think it's a, a, a great grimy, nasty, dirty-looking movie set in a, a kind of a horrible-looking LA. Um and I think it's probably closer to a horror than an actioner, the way T2 is. It's it's a slasher yeah. movie, essentially. Um, but for me, Terminator 2 was a movie that I was brought up on um, from when I was young. So I would be brought round to my granddad's and if a say my mum and dad, oh, Terminator 2 is on BBC2, which used to always be on BBC2 tonight. Uh, can I watch it? And they would say no. So I would say... Right, okay. Um, can I go and stay with my grandpa tonight? Completely, completely, not connected in any sort of way, like completely no. 
<laughs> no, they did not connect it. Just like I usually write, I really like my grandpa and his night, TV night specifically. Off, night off from the Wayne. Um, and they were like, yeah, well, he'll take you, he'll take you. So I went up to my grandpa's and he had a, a loft with this tiny wee telly, put BBC Two on with the aerial, and I'd sit and watch Terminator 2. Um, it is for me, it is the ultimate in sequels of mm. those three that we just mentioned. It's also the way I think of it. Though obviously there's violent parts in it, but mm. it has an element of a family movie. Mm. A young yeah, boy yeah, I could get out a yeah, robot. Yeah. Aye, young boy gets a robot that is under his control, and you're sitting going, "I mean, that would be the best time ever." No matter <laughs> if it's a killer robot or if it's a, a just a, a fun robot. <laughs> the way you describe it, you've got CGI that today still holds up. Like the job that oh, yeah, definitely. Done on that is incredible, yeah. even more so than maybe another uh, great kind of CGI tentpole in Jurassic Park. It holds up even better than them. And as I'm a, a champion of the 4K, I got Terminator 2 on 4K, and it is sublime. The only disappointment for me with it is that you don't get the um, the director's cut on 4K. You only get the Blu-ray. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the director's cut. I like all the ad- the additions with uh, Arnie getting his chip taken out and um, yeah. just the wee, the kind of extra scenes like smile when he goes for a when he goes to get some food and things like that. Just kind of nice wee touches. But yeah, it's it's the ultimate sequel. Um, it is the the best action sci-fi slash family movie that I think you can watch. We are now down to the main part, the top one of five from each of us, and it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Um, Larry, what's your number one? Well, I have to to give it to the the greatest sci-fi film ever made, Semper Strikes Back. The same same way that obviously Michael was saying about it's just one of the greatest moves ever made. It's builds upon a new hope, and in a way, obviously, it's one of the greatest sequels of like because it expands on the lore. It's not just you know you're not going away with milk toast, Luke Skywalker. You're getting payoffs. You're getting turmoil. You're getting revelations. You know, um, if you don't know spoiler alert for this this film, then where have you been living for the last you know? 40 years um, it just it just has everything it's got great acting it's, it's got you know some of the coolest bad guys Boba Fett Darth Vader it's got Lando Carizian the smoothest guy in the galaxy um, it just it's, it's sad um, it's like it's sh- I've always been a big Star Wars fan since I was younger like um, if I was in my actual house I would show you um, oh my God, old Star Wars, seventy Star Wars stuff I've got from from that era. Um, but I just, it just has amazing special effects. Yoda, like what, probably one of the the biggest pop culture icons in the world. Um, it has Yoda has such an effect on me that w- even as much as the last year they wasn't great. When Yoda turns up, it was like Niagara Falls. Just hearing, just hearing Frank Oz's voice, and seeing 
Yoda as a puppet, the same way I did when I was younger, was just like it was. It could, you could you could have just had two hours of that. Just look at look at him talking, because it was just like it was just so nostalgic, and so reminded me of like when I was younger that that was like just reminded me of Empire Strikes Back and the way that Frank Oz was in that movie. Um, just an, just an amazing amazing film. I just I, I, I we could spend hours talking about how good that that film is, and how it has such a kind of bleak ending. But sort of an an ends and of a bleak ending, but also in this kind of like right now we need to get our own back. Now we need to go and find our friends again. We there's purpose at the end of it. There's a kind of when you see Luke and Leia and three people and R two looking at the window. It looks like he's new. He's got the hand. He's got the metal hand now. Now looking out into the, the the cosmos, essentially, you go right. Everything has fucked. Han is, you know, in the hands of Jabba the Hutt now. You have found out that this person, this most hated person in the galaxy, is actually the father of you know, the greatest hero in the galaxy, essentially. Now, what's more amazing than that? What's more of a twist than that? Probably the great, one of the greatest twists in the world. And that ever has been or ever will be. Like, how the fuck would you have... How he came up with that was like just right. Okay, what can we do to make this like a big revelation? And it just, I'm your father. That's like, I remember seeing that for the first time. Going, what the fuck? That obviously I was like free, so maybe not said like, <laughs> what the heck, or something like that. Somewhere to that effect, kind of a bunger or something like that. Not something the eighties, of course. Um, but I just think it's just an, an awesome movie. I don't, I don't, I, I think everything. Everybody's picked that that film to death, and we could sit and talk about it forever. I just think it's amazing. I've got, I've got it on VHS. I've got multiple copies on. I've got, I've found the, the, the released a version on DVD, where it was like the old Lucasfilm version, where it's all the eighties like VHS version was on the disc. So I've got a version of that, which I think is really cool with the old like Lucasfilm logos and stuff like that. Right before it was all like. Um, I've also it's also one I've I don't watch. You no, know, when they made the re- the remakes, not the remakes, sorry, they changed the enhanced versions of them. I, you know the remakes, you know the fucked the ones he fucked up. Special editions. Special editions, yeah, yeah. I hate I I didn't want to watch Empire because it's just such a, a special movie to me. Like I've I've watched that film so many times and. It, it, like I'm sure Michael might would um, echo this as well. It doesn't it just doesn't get old, it doesn't get boring. It doesn't get there's still that excitement, there's still that you still still awe and the shock and awe in the whole film. It's there's still beauty in it. It doesn't ever it doesn't dull the sparkle doesn't dull. I should say that when it comes to that film, constantly makes me feel good. I don't know how sort of much opinion there'll be sort of split with us, but um Back to the Future. Oh. Of course. I know I think I think that's one of the ones where people are gonna love it or hate it. I love it. I, I think it's one of the things that's it's such a nostalgia piece um for so many people. And it, it sort of almost things off the back like 
George Lucas and Spielberg and stuff because I think they were all sort of pally and they were the ones that helped sort of uh, Zemeckis get a lot of work initially. I know a couple of his first sort of films weren't great. Um, and they were the ones that vouched for him and then obviously Back to the Future was just... Uh, just 10 cents time almost. <laughs> um, um, aye. Uh, in terms of sequels, I think the, the first sequel is... Maybe not as good, but it's definitely up there. And then the third one sort of falls off a cliff a wee bit. Although, <laughs> aye. But everything that's, about it, like, the car itself, like, I've got a lunchbox and I'm 32. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a Back to the Future lunchbox. Um, somebody gave me the sports almanac as a, as a gift one time. Um, do you know what I mean? It's like, I've got a dozen t-shirts there that are yeah. all Back to the Future, but it's some variety or another. It's just something that's comfort watching. Um, also, you've ITV two or three. You've probably seen it about eight times a year, every year, <laughs> everyone. Do you know what I mean? It's never off. Um, I think there's a reason for that as well. Do you know what I mean? It's one yeah. of the films you can jump into twenty minutes in. You know where you are. You know where you're going. And it's just it's it's really easy. You can stick it on in the background, or you can stick it on if you actually intend to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think they try to. They try to tie bits together, the second and the third one as well. Yeah. Um, where there's bits where he's in the car park and he stole the wallet. And it's, I, I think they've obviously done that like, sort of retrospectively after the first one. But yeah, and there's a, a few callbacks in the second and the third one to the first as well. I just, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Like, it's still funny. It still holds up. I think there's a couple of wee bits that maybe be questionable ish, but I think you need to be actually looking at them. To try to find them, um, but yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Love it. My number one is the definitive number one science fiction movie of all time. Anybody who says otherwise is absolutely wrong. It's two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. Okay. Um. Yeah. The movie is transformative. It, I mean, it came out in, I wrote down, it came out in 68. Early on, people thought it was a flop. People hated it. There's always, there's that story about, it, you know, a bunch of Hollywood types and all that went early on to see the film when it was shown and uh, just first before it went wide. And there's always that story of, uh, I want to say it might have been Cary Grant who got up and left and like, it was always reported that he, he, when he was walking out, he had said something about how this movie is a bunch of crap or something like that. It was not popular at all when it came out uh, with like the reviews and things of that nature. And then it started getting around that people, a lot of the younger people were like getting high and watching it. And, you know, it was a little trippy and all that. I, for me, it opened my eyes up much later, obviously, to what a film could be. Um, it could be literal and theoretical, um, philosophical. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how people can't, some people just say they can't sit through it. I, even even the, the, the bit in the middle uh, you know, when all you all you hear is the sound and the droning and all that. Mm. I'm riveted. I'm riveted through that. 
and it's just sound. But for me, it's one of the most watchable, rewatchable films ever made. I was I was on recently. Just no, I, I just I happened to pop. I happened to pop the point. Now I haven't. I haven't. I, I will admittedly, I've not, I've not seen it since I was a teenager. Um, I think I got. I think I got out of the library when I was when I was very very young, young teenage years. Um, so I've not really. And I, I, I admittedly, I've never really given it a good shake when it comes to like sitting down and like appreciating it as much as it can. But when I when it was on the other day, I. I it does. It's got sort of a look about it that doesn't. It doesn't feel like a film that's in the sixties. The way it looks and the color and the, the cinematography of it is. It's quite a, tight, a quite a timeless looking movie. It's it, the way this way it's kind of the shots are composited and the costume and the sets. It, it just doesn't seem like a, a movie in the sixties. It seems Kubrick just made this film that was just like quite out of time, almost, almost like as a futuristic movie in the way it was even handled I think I think that you know that it may be something I need to sit down and watch again um, to give a good a good opinion on but I certainly from somebody who loves Kubrick I, I don't think it's a cool movie yeah you know and the other thing is the other thing is if it wasn't for that movie we would have never had the moon landing because obviously NASA went to him and said, let's film this down in Arizona so people think we landed on the moon. Yep, yep. I yep, mean... Yep, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it could be a true story. <laughs> I can't, I, it's one that I can't say I've, I've genuinely, I've never seen it. But, uh, what? So, I know, I'm sorry. Um, it's always referenced as one of, if not the greatest, and you have it as number one, so obviously you feel that way, and I don't want to get shouted at <laughs> I don't mean to save myself till last, I'm just a host, so I'll pass it off to everyone else. Um, my number one has already been mentioned, and it is Denny Villeneuve's Arrival. Um, I genuinely just, it is such a beautiful movie, it's fantastically shot. Paul, as you were saying earlier on, even Jeremy Renner is great in it. Horace Whitaker plays a part, it's quite a small part, but he's still great, but Amy Adams is just transcendent almost in her performance in it the heart she has in it the the way the movie plays out and the way it it kind of cuts its scenes and you don't know what's happening when and when you get the final reveal it is just heartbreaking it's such a a smart sci-fi movie it's not just Aliens are here, we need to blow them up and then we need to fight against them and then they fight back. It's cleverly thought out. It's it's just a... a I, I don't even really have the words to describe what I think about it is because of how good I find it. You have this just really smart take on sci-fi. It's all based around language and the majority of the movie is about that. It's about trying to... Um, navigate round these people round this uh, other force that is trying to communicate with you and having just such a, a, a smart premise just a a plot that 
could be nonsense if it wasn't done in the right hands. Like whenever you're talking about how it's like they're trying to deconstruct the language of the aliens, it's almost like multi-layered from them. Like the the film itself's sort of it's not structured the same as a film would be, and you're trying to you're trying to piece that together the way they are trying to piece together the language of the aliens. It's almost like it's multi-layered there. And then even when you take that into consideration of the communication aspect between them and the aliens and their inability to communicate with one another. Do you know what I mean? So it's just, there's, there's so many different layers to that between the characters and the audience and the story. It's just, aye. And, when it, and whenever it does sort of crescendo at the end, it's just, mm-hmm. it's probably, maybe the one, it's probably up there with one of the best payoffs from a film that I can certainly aye. admit to. Aye. You know, oh, aye, like, brilliant. And again, it, aye. It's, it's the way you reevaluate that opening scene at the end of the movie. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about spoilers for this one because I don't think necessarily everyone's seen it. It seemed, I think it was still a big hit, but it's kind of on the periphery of being everyone knows what happens in Arrival. So now we've done all of our top fives. There's one guy tonight, Neil McCulloch, who isn't with us. Nothing wrong with him, he's just working. <laughs> I'd probably specify that. Um, he sent me his top five, and we're just going to do a wee quick run through that. Now, he sent this top five, and he says these are in no particular order, so that's fine. Um, and he's given a wee description as to why. So, I'll start at the first one he sent me is The Empire Strikes Back. Again, the third time tonight, I think that's been picked. Um, and he just says, Child of the Original Trilogy, and it's always close to his heart, and Empire is the standout of the three. His next one up is Robocop. Yep, love it. Um, he says, it perfectly encapsulates the society and media of its era, and Verhoeven's satire of US society feels just as relevant today. Um, yeah, definitely. Great movie. Predator. Is another oh, one which yes. I mentioned, but yeah, absolutely a perfect sci-fi movie. I think um, on a different day, this would have been the Running Man, but Predator is yep, probably apex. Aye, Predator is probably apex of Schwarzenegger's career. Mm. Great cast, great action, and a stellar tale of man versus monster. <clears throat> and then next up is the Thing. John Carpenter's the Thing. Yep. And he's just got a small one for this. Sheer nihilism, brutal, visceral, and bleak. And yep. yeah, <laughs> exactly, is, yes. Yeah, perfect. It's it's quite a nasty film, I think, at its heart, yeah. but it's great. And last one is The Fly, or Cronenberg's remake of The Fly. Um, B movie up to date, up in the alley mm, with grotesque mm-hmm. body horror, and Jeff Goldblum has never been better. So. We will have, um, yeah, I would say so. We will, we will have Neil on the show uh, later on, but he was just otherwise occupied tonight. So Neil also gave us before we go on our honourable mentions. Uh, he gave us his, which is Aliens, um, which he says it's a masterstroke of James Cameron using. Uh, the concept of alien to explore his feelings about the Vietnam War and American imperialism. So there you go, that's Neil's 
kind of honourable mention. Um, what we'll do is I'll go into mine now and just give a quick run through before we wrap up. Um, I have a quite extensive list uh, honourable mentions ranging from family to horror to different versions of sci-fi. Um, one I've mentioned is Short Circuit. Johnny Five, he's alive just because I was young. I used to absolutely love it. Also um, on or all the time when you're a wee guy. Exactly, always on. And then I think Channel 5 picked it up and then they just seemed to show it all the time once that started as a channel. It's still um, broke. High, yeah, Highlander, which we've already mentioned um, briefly when talking about Connery. Um, Jurassic Park, I think, falls under the sci-fi. I'll that, that honourable mention for myself. Aye. Just, I mean, what else Clark. can you say about Jurassic Park? It's just a, an ultimate popcorn, big budget, Spielberg at his best. Great movie. <clears throat> um, again, talking about Arnie, Total Recall. Again, a movie I loved when I was younger. Um, kind of moves from the source material quite a bit when you read uh, Philip K. Dick's book. But magic, basically. Most up-to-date one I've got here is Upgrade from Lee Winnell about a kind of really hyper-violent, hyper-realised uh, kind of horror sci-fi movie that made a big impact on me when I seen it. Um, the the concept of it was great. The the action scenes are brilliant. Some of the shots where it's following the movement of the lead. Um, yeah, just excellent. If you've never seen Upgrade, definitely check it out. I think it might be in UK Netflix at the minute. Um, going down the horror route. Uh, again, Event Horizon. My God, yes, yes, Advent Horizon, absolutely. It's um, just absolutely nuts. I don't think there's any other word to describe Advent Horizon as being absolutely nuts, fucking batshit, and brilliant. Going for what, uh, which we were going through Neil's talk of satire with Verhoeven, I went for Starship Troopers as another honourable mention. Just visceral, funny, yep, yep, nasty. Yep. Uh, entertaining just a really entertaining movie with a lot of subtext to it um, and my last one which was very close to being in top 5 is Mad Max Fury Road um, I don't think there's been a better Mad Max movie personally um, but Tom Hardy's kind of understated performance was great Charlize Theron I would possibly say is actually the lead in that movie um, just a really great dystopian future Cracker. Um, love to have seen a sequel, but I don't think that's going to happen. We are getting Furiosa, but I don't think we'll ever see another Mad Max movie of that out from the same director. But yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant action sci fi movie. Just a road movie, basically. Larry, what about yourself? Uh, I was one we've, one we've all kind of missed off, I think, is Blade Runner. Um, I see that yeah. I love that movie. Though it's still the obviously the internal um struggle is which version does everybody like? It's it's, it's there's so many different versions of Blade Runner now, I think you could just you could fill a small house with them. Um I think I grew up with the director's cut on VHS, so like that's probably my pick. Um other films, June. I think me and Andy spoke about before that 
you haven't seen the Lynch version of Dune, is that correct? I, I have not, no, I haven't. So that's something I would be interested to talk about the juxtaposition of that that to the new one, the Villeneuve one. It'll be interesting to watch because they are, as I imagine, are very, very, well, one doesn't have Sting in it, so that's immediately an interesting mix of it. Um, again, I would say like Total Recall. Yeah. I can echo that. That's a bright movie. Um, I would say also, I'll get my notes here in a second. If they talk about a little bit, Tron, I thought it was in, uh, one, I say one of my favourite Disney movies, but just one of my favourite kind of sci-fi movies as well. I think I think that's an awesome movie. I think that's just just like Last Starfighter, it kind of predates that kind of arcade thing. Um, just, again, it's a it's quite ahead of its time at the, at, when it was made. It was very kind of futuristic and very was an interesting new um, kind of filming effects. Filming um, obviously, we're talking about Mad Max. I think Mad Max Road Warrior, the second one, is a, one of my favourite movies. I think it's a, I think it's so so good. I think it's, it's Thunder Thunder is great because it got Tina Turner in it. That's um. I like obviously that you've got you obviously got Escape from New York. I think I think that's an awesome movie. Um, I, in terms of modern sci-fi, I, I mean, now I'm going to annoy people by saying like, thankfully you didn't you didn't spoil our arrival for me because I've not seen, actually seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, right, okay. But you know, obviously, I just I kind of like the classics. Obviously, like obviously Jurassic Park. I think it needs to be spoken about. Um, and also like when when. It, I suppose people do talk about it quite a lot. Is Brazil? Uh, I really like that as uh, as kind of a weird sort of dystopian sort of sci-fi yeah. movie. Also, Akira, which spoke about that, I was always I was kind of tied between um, Ghost in the Shell and Akira, but I think that Ghost in the Shell does kind of take it for me. But Akira is probably equally as amazing in terms of. Animation. I wanted to try and get one of the one of the two in, so end up going with Ghost of the Shell. But Akira, I recently seen that in the cinema um, in Falkirk, and it was just 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 amazing. But yeah, I think those are the ones I would I would go with. My kind of honourable mentions. Paul, what about yourself? Any any particular mentions you'd like to have? These were some of the ones that were floating around my head, just as sci-fi. I tried to sort of pull away a wee bit from. The sort of the sort of the more obvious ones, right? So like recently, Looper, I think the, the idea for that was really cool. I don't know if the follow through was particularly great, but yeah. I think I don't know if that was actually a comic book before. Um but that just the idea that, that was really, really cool. Um mm-hmm. uh, who was it? Joseph God of Levitt was really hot at the time. And then um, your man Bruce Willis. I don't know if you've seen it. I won't say too much because I think this it's quite easy to spoil that. But it was it was, it was interesting, so you, you you might like that. District Nine, yeah, that well, one, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you hung out the top five because District Nine for me was just brilliant. It's just it was really different coming at the time. It, it sort of flicked the lines were happening quite current as well. And um, was it Neil Blomquist? Blomquist. Yeah, bro, just what he's done there is absolutely amazing. I think they do 
something else where we'll afterwards. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't quite as good. But it was interesting again. Chappie? Chappie. And yeah. Um, and this always just sticks out in my head any time Emily mentions sci-fi right now. It's because it's so, so bad. 1998 Godzilla. It's just... Yes, yes, yes. Awful. It to be top fives, right? But this is just what it comes into my head. Um, almost everything about it is absolutely stinking. Yes. So if you see if you've not watched it, you've not watched it yet, give it a go. Just just so you can see you've seen it. Because Godzilla's basically a T-Rex. Aye, pretty much. And then... T-Rex, yeah. They think they've done so well, they set up for a sequel at the end, never to be seen. <laughs> um, and going back down the Matthew Broderick sort of route here, um, there's a film called War Games, I think it was the early yes. 80s, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, based on a book. Now, I read the book over a summer, um, between sort of years at school, and I found out it was a film, and I thought, fucking in for that. And uh, it's actually really good. Um, I I can't remember who the, the female lead in it was, but I just remember thinking that they worked really well together, and uh, it was just it was just a nice tight wee film. Do you know what I mean? It was not, it's nothing ugh, major. It's nothing sort of you're not going to see Star Wars. When you see it, but it's just a it was a nice comfort wee film. It's good to quick watch as well. And Matthew Broderick's actually actually watchable in it because I think after 1990 he must have just split the switch because Jesus. I have one, one and only one, uh, only because some of the ones were mentioned already. Um, the only Disney, or not the only, the first Disney film to receive a PG rating. Prior to that, all of them were receiving a G rating in the United States. So the only, the first uh, Disney film to receive a PG rating, 1979's The Black Hole. Oh yes, yes, yes. Absolutely brilliant film. Uh, the sense of swirling dread that goes on throughout the whole movie. Um, it, it's just, it's fascinating. So I would recommend it highly. Excellent. Again, not one I've seen, but I know of. And that just shows me up for being a... Well, we've got Disney Santa Plus Kyle. now, so we could definitely, definitely watch that. I'm not, I've not seen it. I, I, again, it's not something I've seen before, but I've always wanted to see it, so... That could be again some homework in the future. Aye, good stuff. And that is it for the first Road to Nowhere. Um, I will have absolutely loved this tonight. It's been a great chat about movies that I've not had in a long time. Um, thank you all for your time. Paul's away now. I think he's lost a, his phone connection, so <laughs> I'll say goodbye for him. Um, Larry? Thank you very much. It's been great, and I look forward to the next episode. Yep, goodbye from me. Mike, thank you very much for your afternoon, I suppose you still are at the minute, or you're nearly yeah. for the length of time. Early evening. Early evening. <laughs> yeah, it's been great, guys. Um, thanks very much for everything. Nice. Yeah, absolutely love it's this. Fun. Have a great weekend, and don't get too drunk. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.